0: You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast from the University of Wisconsin Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. With this podcast, I'm exploring issues and innovations around women's health with a little help from experts in the UW Department of OBGYN and beyond. We seem to be facing an impending crisis in rural health care, especially when it comes to women's health. About one-third of counties in Wisconsin don't have a practicing OBGYN, and nationwide that number is close to half of all counties. Also, hospitals in rural communities across the country are closing their labor and delivery units. This means longer travel times for prenatal care or delivery for pregnant patients, and it also means basic, everyday OBGYN services like contraceptive care or cancer screenings are harder to access. In this episode of the Women's Health Cast, I talked to Dr. Ellen Hartenbach from the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN to learn about the scale of this crisis in Wisconsin and beyond, and what our department is doing to help. I also met the first doctor in the country to train as an OBGYN specifically in rural practice. I'm very excited to talk to Dr. Ellen Hartenbach today, who is the UW OBGYN Vice Chair of Education and Faculty Development. We're gonna talk a lot about the sort of impending rural health crisis across our state and across the country. Um, But first, I'd like to get to know a little bit about you, Dr. Hartenbach.
1: Well, I am a uh, OBGYN by training. Um, I specialize in women's cancer, and I've been in the department since 1995. Um, having finished my training uh, at the University of Minnesota and started as a young faculty and now I've been here um, all these past 23 years.
0: I wanted to talk to you to learn more about what I've heard being called a sort of a crisis in rural women's health um, and I guess to take it a little bit further back uh, when we're talking about rural communities what are we talking about? How is rural defined?
1: That's a great question and um, rural is actually everything that's not urban. So the federal government has a couple of definitions of rural. One is done by the Census Bureau and one by the Office of Management and Budget. And many of the healthcare statistics use those kind of federal definitions. So there's what are called um, metropolitan areas greater than 50,000 people and micropolitan areas between 10 and 50,000 people. And then If you're not one of those, then you're definitely rural. Uh, But it's more complicated than that. And so there's a whole um, graduated list of rurality, if you will, uh, when you look at the health services-related research around rural health. So you could be in a small community but really close to a large city, and that doesn't impact your health care as it does if you're in a very small community, a less than 10,000-person community that's more isolated. So a long answer to a short question, but it's, it's quite complicated.
0: What do we know about um, health disparities or differences in health outcomes between urban women and rural women?
1: Well, one thing we know is that the um, health outcomes for women in rural areas are poorer in a variety of metrics, so um, it tends to be chronic illnesses are more common, um, often health behaviors that uh, lead to poor health are more common, such as smoking, there's higher rates of diabetes, um, often higher rates of alcohol consumption, and a variety of different things that make um, the overall health status of of rural women um, not equivalent to women in urban areas. So what do we know about what contributes to those health disparities? When we look at the overall health of a population, there's a whole lot of factors that contribute to how healthy are the people in that, in that setting, if you will. So there's something called the social determinants of health, which is basically um, the social factors, the economic factors, the physical location that people live and then there are um, clinical care and quality of care. And then there's the health behaviors of the individuals. So one of the things we know about people in rural settings is they have some access to health care issues. So um, actually getting access, um, less uh, less insured, less easy access. They also have, as I mentioned before, a number of the health behaviors that lead to poor health are more common in rural areas. So it's uh, it's a combination of things that that lead to the disparity. So what does that
0: crisis look like for women in Wisconsin? Is it largely an access issue?
1: Well, we're actually trying to study that and, and learn a little bit more about that and to find out how much of a difference there is for women in rural communities in Wisconsin versus the urban areas. When you look at some of the uh, national studies it's clear that the ability to get to a maternity hospital is um is an issue um, half of the counties in the in the united states don't have an OBGYN. we're doing a little better in wisconsin so it's only one out of three counties where there isn't an OBGYN. and so there's a lot of issues. There's, there's the health of the population. There's the access to care. And then there's the facilities and the physicians and other health care providers in the facilities. So that's a long way of saying there's some access to care issues as well as some unique issues around hospital closure in rural areas and um, physician shortages. So about 15 to 20% of the people in the United States live in a rural community, and less than 10% of the physicians practice in a rural community. So there's an immediate problem with access to healthcare providers, but um, also there's some issues with um, facilities closing and some of the economics in some of the smaller towns, too you mentioned hospitals closing
0: and like the access issue and that reminds me of several articles I feel like I've read recently about um, hospitals closing in rural areas and that forcing uh, women to need to travel three hours, four hours or more to give birth, especially in sort of high-risk pregnancy situations and that can be really um, scary. So what are some of the things that can go wrong or not work out
1: as well when there's not easy access to obstetric care? Well, one of the things about obstetrics is most women are low risk, but you can go from being a low risk pregnancy to a high risk pregnancy kind of quickly. So um, there's uh sometimes uh, delivering prematurely. There's sometimes problems with bleeding or uh, blood pressures out of control. And so how close your facility is really matters. And when you look at the maps, uh, both in Wisconsin and nationally, ideally you want to have maternity care centers that are 15 minutes or less away, but there are large parts of uh, Wisconsin in particular in northern Wisconsin and some parts of western Wisconsin, where it's over 60 minutes to a uh, maternity care facility. And there's the problem of closure, because economically it's tricky to keep these maternity care units open. And in smaller bed hospitals, um, it becomes an area that um, it's hard to stay open and, uh, and keep up the quality. So there's, there's been a lot of closures, as you mentioned, uh, of maternity units
0: maternity care is incredibly important and often kind of an emergent um, issue that you never quite know when it's going to happen. But um, but that's not the only part of a, like a woman's health care needs either. So are there other kinds of problems or challenges that can come up when women don't have easy access to an OBGYN or a, a just a gynecology provider?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I think of women's reproductive health care, it's really across the lifespan. So Um, Obviously, pregnancy and childbirth are a huge part of women's health care. And in fact, childbirth is the number one reason for people to get hospitalized in the country. But other things are important, too. So there are cancer screenings um, that that people need to get in for. There's some unique problems uh, for women from the standpoint of gynecology care, contraception care, family planning, uh, and even things that are very unique to women, um, some of the pelvic floor problems that people have that some of our specialists um, uh, spend time working on. So, so it really is a number of different things across a woman's life, you know, where there are reproductive health outcomes and things that are important in terms of getting to the right place for the, for the care that you need.
0: Is this problem limited to women's health care providers? Are OBGYNs the only doctors
1: that are kind of in short supply in rural areas? No. In fact, um, the rural health disparities and the geographic differences for access to care and access to physicians is across all the medical fields. And there's been a lot of attention um, both nationally and in uh, in Wisconsin locally and regionally on making sure that we have enough providers in uh, general medicine, in psychiatry, particularly general surgery. Um, there's, a, there's a real focus on um, all, the, all the areas, and um, the health disparities exist for men and women in um, all the fields of medicine. So what are we doing
0: about this health, rural health disparities and then about the Sort of the lack of providers in rural areas. We know why it's bad and why it's kind of kind of terrifying, and it's presenting this crisis. But what are we doing to try to make it better?
1: Well, I guess it's a question of who, who are the we? Um, you know, at the national level, the national professional organizations like American College of OBGYN and others are suggesting that we uh, work really closely with physicians in these practice areas and try and set up regionalized care, um, support telemedicine, support loan repayments so that we can get our graduates to take up practices in these kinds of communities and support them in that way. Um, on the local level, you know, we can't fix everything, but in the in the department, we decided to design a specific track in our GME program so that we would literally recruit medical students who had a background in rural communities and an interest in rural medicine to come and train in OBGYN in in a designated rural track so that we can help with this physician shortage um, in Wisconsin. So we're the first
0: OBGYN rural residency in the country, yes?
1: Yeah, we're the first program that has a um, very specific track with a uh, specific application process um, designated this way. And and there are others who um, are interested in this kind of an approach, um, but we're the first that's, that's um, you know, out there, that's uh, designated to, to basically recruit medical students who want to do this and then help them achieve that goal. Because what we know is once people have come to residency, they will choose practices very similar to the residency training and what we need to do is give them experiences in these smaller communities and the smaller hospitals so that they can picture themselves practicing there when they graduate.
0: How does the rural residence training look different from the rest of our residency class?
1: Yeah, great question. I think of it as kind of residency plus. So um, we have three fabulous hospitals in Madison, where our residents train, and they get unique experiences here. So the rural track resident has rotations and experiences in the three Madison hospitals, and spends the bulk of their time here. So 80% of their time, they're training here in Madison. And then 20% of their time, they're training in small community hospitals with talented OBGYNs. So they get that experience. So it's the main residency, plus the additional experience in the rural hospitals.
0: So training more doctors seems like a great step, right? It's really important to make sure that we have physicians who are ready for rural practice, since it does look pretty different from um, like a more urban center practice, but it's not the only step, right? So are there other systemic changes that need to happen to make sure that um, people in rural communities still have access to great
1: health care? Well, I think there's a a whole lot of um, issues that uh, that need to be addressed and are being addressed in a, in a, in a variety of ways. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, focusing on the regionalization of perinatal care, uh, designating different hospitals at dis- different levels, um, that's something that's ongoing in the Wisconsin Association for Perinatal Care and also trying to uh, potentially beef up telemedicine um, is something for the future. And And to kind of fuel all of this, um, you have to be continuing to monitor outcomes. And so uh, Dr. Arenthal and the Division of Reproductive and Population Health in our department is doing research on maternal um, health outcomes in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, as a team, we need to, you know, be looking at these outcomes and as we move along, continue to develop strategies to try and, and improve access and improve the care that we give.
0: What else is it important to know about the crisis in rural women's health care?
1: I think it's important for everyone to know that, that we're looking at these things and we're, uh, we're trying to help. Um, anytime you uncover problems, you start thinking, oh my gosh, how can I how can I move the needle on that? And there are um, things that are indicating that our maternal mortality statistics are going up. Uh, the, um, the percentage of uh, low birth weight infants in Wisconsin is going up. So these are big health indicators that, um, that we just need to take a look at and we need to slow down and we need to try and do some research, analyze the problems, and then uh, start working on solutions. And, um, you know, that might sound Pollyanna, but, you know, that's, I think, the way that we can continue to improve health care for people and help populations um, to be as healthy as they can be.
0: Dr. Hartenbach, thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Thank you. After learning about the scale of
0: the rural health crisis from Dr. Hartenbach, I wanted to know what motivates someone to practice medicine in a rural setting, and what special skills those physicians need to take great care of their patients. For that, I talked to Laura McDowell. Dr. McDowell is an OBGYN resident in her second year of training here at the UW. She's also the first person in the country to train on a rural OBGYN track. It's not often that I get to talk to someone who is the first in the nation of anything, but today I am really excited to talk to Dr. Laura McDowell, who is the first ever in the country rural resident training to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) I am really looking forward to learning about um, how your rural rotations have gone so far and a little bit more about what your trainings looked like in this first about a year. You've been with us for a little over a year. Um, but before we get started into that, I kind of want to know, why did you want to become an OBGYN?
2: Yeah, great question. Well, it was, certainly was a process for me. Um, I actually knew early on that I wanted to do uh, something in rural medicine, um, that was really um, a strong emphasis point in my medical training. And so I, in my third year of medical school, I was out in a rural community and uh, had the opportunity of experiencing different kinds of medical practice out in a rural setting. And it was out there that I really found that I loved OBGYN. Um, The variety of um, practice uh, that's within a week and a day um, was really exciting to me. Um, And so ultimately I ended up choosing that in addition to the patient population that we get to care for. Um, It was kind of the perfect picture for me. So what made you so passionate about um, rural women's health? Great question. So uh, growing up, I actually lived in um, multiple different rural communities based in size, geographic location, um, and even like population um, consistency, I guess. Um, And so through that experience, I just really found to love living in rural communities. So that was kind of the big driving factor. Um, I I did go to college in a big university and I think I really missed that community feel of a rural, um, of rural life. And so um, was excited to, you know, pursue that as my like career path um, to like live in a rural community, that that was an opportunity available. I know you, uh, you recently finished your first rural rotation. So a lot
0: of your training is going to be in Madison and sort of at our university hospital and our other clinical sites, uh, along with the rest of your resident class. And some portion of your training will be at um, rural sites sort of near uh, and around Madison. So you just finished your first one. And where, where were you for that rotation?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I was up in Portage, Wisconsin, so about 45 or so minutes north of Madison.
0: Did you notice um, any differences in in health between the, the patients you worked with in Portage versus the patients that you worked with here? Were there any sort of disparities that popped up for you?
2: Well, um, certainly the – I mean, I guess patient health was – not necessarily the big differing factor. I think in a you know tertiary center where we get a lot of referrals for women that have a lot of more complicated issues. Certainly, we see a lot more complicated. Um, pregnancy-related cases or what have you um, in, in Madison, um, but they do come from somewhere. And so certainly out in Portage, there were women that, um, uh, you know, were needing further assistance in their care. Um, and some of them were actually referred to Madison for that care. So I did I did have the opportunity um, to care for those women there and be involved in the process of transferring care either here or seeking consultation in Madison.
0: How was your rotation in portage different from um, the time you spent in clinics in Madison?
2: So how I like to describe it is um, out in Portage, you really get to do the whole gamut of OBGYN practice, kind of what initially drew me um, to OBGYN. So um, out there, your, your days basically consisted of everything um, OBGYN related, taking care of pregnant women, being in the OR for surgery, um, being in clinic, seeing clinic patients for um, different um, concerns that they had, whether it be obstetric related or gynecologic related. Um, And how that differs from being in the university system like here in Madison, we are um, on different rotations. And so one rotation could be purely obstetric related and um, the next could be, oh, I'm in the OR the whole time. Or the other one could be I'm in clinic. And so um, it's a little bit more segmented rather than integrated.
0: So when you're practicing the more integrated medicine and covering kind of all of the ground from surgery to uh, deliveries to like GYN checkups, sort of all of it, are there um, extra skills or um, extra knowledge that you you think you'll need, or do you think a, a rural practicing OBGYN needs
2: to make sure that they're providing great care across this huge range of conditions? I think the biggest thing to know for rural practice is what your limits are. And maybe not even necessarily the physician's own limits, but the limits um, of the resources available to them at, you know, said community hospital. you may know how, like the physician may know how to take care of a woman that is having a hemorrhage, so a massive bleed after delivery, but they may not have the blood products. And so, you know, recognizing that, you know, before you get into that situation, um, that that woman may need further care um, that's beyond the scope that the hospital and community is able to provide um, is kind of a prudent thing to recognize and um, then refer that patient on.
0: With a blended program like this, where you're um, seeing a lot of, I guess, subspecialty training in Madison and then going to more general practice in the rural locations, um, I guess, do you feel like that's giving you a good preparation to know those limits for yourself?
2: I think so. And I think it also allows um, the training physician to understand well, if I have a patient with this con- concern or issue, um, and it's beyond what I, my knowledge base, and what I feel comfortable um, with, you know, counseling the patient, it, it Having that experience in your residency training in those subspecialties allows you to be like, oh, well, I think that she would be best served by going to see a urogynecologist. Or I think that um, further care in reproductive endocrine infertility would be um, the best option for her um, or the maternal fetal medicine. So it's... um, Gaining that understanding of what the different subspecialties do um, can help better guide your um, referral um, down the line. So, we know, especially in our
0: department, um, that there's this huge ongoing access issue for women's health care in rural areas, which is, of course, a huge reason why um, this, the rural residency program was developed in our department in the first place. And so, in Wisconsin, it's like one
2: third of counties. I think that's the statistic. Yeah.
0: Um, so one third of counties don't have a practicing OBGYN? Do that would a, make sense. Yeah. yeah. And and that's actually a lot. I mean, that's a lot of it's a lot of our counties, and that's um, it's not limited to our state either. This is sort of a nationwide issue with um, not enough OBGYNs and then some like small community hospitals closing their labor and delivery wards, and it's sort of it's a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it it definitely seems like training more doctors like you. Uh, to make sure you're ready for practice in a rural location is a really, really great first step. Like it's a really good part of it. But um, after your first rotation in, in Portage, what else do you think needs to happen to make sure that women in rural areas have good access to health care? Like in addition to making sure that we train doctors who are ready and awesome
2: at the rural practice, what else is missing? Well, I think it also needs to be some community buy-in, too. Um, I know you mentioned that some places are closing their um, maternity wards. And um, I I understand that OB is not, like, the most profitable of, um, you know, specialties. However, um, it is, like, crucial to building communities and keeping care in those communities. I was talking with, um, you know, a a long time doc, and he was saying that you know he's seen this pattern where a, a hospital will close its doors to maternity services, and if the mom can't deliver her baby there, she'll go to this other center. And then since she's at that center, you know, oh well, the baby was seen by a doctor at that hospital. Oh, so then we'll we'll drive and get our care for our children there. And then oh well, you know maybe. It, My husband should go get a checkup, you know, every now and again. And since we're going for our care here, why don't you come with us? So it's kind of this huge ripple effect that maybe people don't uh, see at first, um, but it can uh, kind of, you know, multiply um, from that seemingly one small change um, could have a huge effect on that community hospital.
0: Wow, I didn't think of that at all. Is there anything else you think people need to know about um, rural medicine and why it's so important to make sure that our doctors are prepared and to make sure that you know we have a a nation with large rural populations? Really, mm-hmm. um, what do we need to know about healthcare access for a significant portion of our country? Right.
2: Yeah. So off of that, like a vast majority of. Um Americans are living in rural settings and uh, they deserve really high quality care, just like you would get at an urban center. Um, And so certainly, you know, there's like transportation issues for these people that live out in rural areas. Um, A lot of them specifically seek out living in rural areas because living in the city is a bit overwhelming. Um, I've heard time and time again, you know, I don't want to go to Madison because um, there's too much traffic. There's, you know, um, the hospital's confusing or, you know, um, X, Y, or Z. And um, those are significant barriers for uh, people to seek care in uh, urban centers. And so making sure that your community hospitals are equipped with physicians that know how to care for these patients, um, but, you know, also recognizing, like, the limitations that, they're, you know, working within, um, I think, is also crucial.
0: Dr. McDowell, thank you so much for joining us. It's really an honor to talk to the first in the nation rural OBGYN resident. <laughs> well, thank you so much. September is Gynecologic Cancer Awareness Month, which seemed like a great opportunity to learn more about BRCA. When present, BRCA, or BRCA mutations can increase our risk of certain types of cancer, including breast and ovarian cancer. On the next episode of the Women's HealthCast, I asked Dr. Lisa Barolette, who's a gynecologic oncologist and BRCA expert in our department of OBGYN, about how the mutations work, why doctors might refer their patients to genetic testing for BRCA, and what patients can expect during that genetic testing process. Women's HealthCast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to Women's HealthCast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us on your podcast app and let us know what women's health issues you would like to learn more about. Thanks for listening.